Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Underhood Show. Presented by Mel Hamilton Ford. My name is Phil Nightingale. Josh Prov. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. I didn't know it was our day to wear purple. Did you? It's uh, Accidents happen. I guess it's who's your purple <laughs> Saturday is what it is by chance. There you go. Anyway, everybody, welcome to the show. It's a call-in show. 316-462-3673. Anything alien, your car, tires, brakes, batteries, whatever it might be. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what's going on in your mind in the automobile world. You got something you don't understand about your car. You need... Or you just want to start a discussion about anything in the automobile world. We could love to have that discussion and everything else, too. And uh, for each and every caller, you get a great price package. I know, Josh, sometimes we need to reevaluate that we number do. and see if yeah. it's still that 130 so, uh, bucks. You know, years ago, uh, we had uh, had the little postcards made up mm-hmm. uh, that we send out. So if you are uh, if you have called in before, you understand what that looks like. But uh, just about running out of those. And so I think after that, we're going to do have something. To redesign it. Yeah, we're going to do something a little different, I think, is what uh, where we're headed next with that. So All right, we'll have to get guys down at Big Corner Creative. Help us design up a new postcard or there a new was giveaway a, card. There was a lot, of, a lot of those made up at one time. So who did that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, for each and every caller that calls in, uh, we'll mail it out to you. But it consists of the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. Uh, we use Motorcraft oil and filter products here at Mel Hamilton Ford, uh, which I want to talk about uh, Motorcraft oil filters uh, here after a little bit. We've uh, looked at that the other day. Uh, but then also with that package, you're going to get uh, complete nitrogen for your tires. So you get all the great benefits that nitrogen has to offer. And we were just talking about that the other day too, about yep. uh, how we don't, we don't really give nitrogen uh, as much love as it deserves for sure. Agree. Um, and then $10 to Mel's Diner. So you can get yourself something to eat and drink while you're here with us at the big corner. And then a BG products package, which consists of a can of MOA or motor oil additive for your engine oil. And then CF5 for your fuel system. Again, just getting that vehicle geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. And I forgot about the multi-point. Oh, you did, dude. I, I missed uh, that too. That was uh, that's, that's kind of pretty important. Yeah, it is very important. So, so hey, let's get the phones ringing. 316-462-3673. That comes right to the front desk here at the dealership. Tell the gals you want to get patched into the podcast here, and we'll get your question and, of course, get you that great price package and everything else too, Josh. So sound like you got a few things on your agenda today, Josh. Well, yeah, but then, uh, again, it is always a call-in show, and, uh, you know, I've uh, I've been squirreled before. <laughs> you get to go on and you get a list of things that you want to talk about and go over, and then, uh, you know, the show heads off into the ditch, and here no, we go. No, no, never does <laughs> so, go in the ditch, does it? Which, that's uh, that's okay, too. It's, uh, it's really for the callers and whatever they want to talk about or know about or uh, be a part of. That's uh, that's what it's all about for yep. sure. So anyway, good morning, Jeff. Thanks for tuning in again too. I hope we got your. I'm not. I don't say I hope. I know we got your expedition all dialed in and ready to go for you. So uh, from that part. So anyway, Josh, what's on your agenda? Yeah. So uh, you know, we uh, brought some uh, filters or had some filters presented to us yesterday with uh, through Ford, and you know, they're uh, I'm sure out there uh, looking at the dollar that they're spending. Uh, on a product as well. And so I do believe that, you know, going through an assembly line, I mean, if you save a penny per unit built, you know, over the course of time, that's huge. Yeah, um, I agree. But there is, there's just something to be said about an OEM part. Um, you know, we just, you get involved in, or I get involved in stuff all the time about a consumer really kind of looking for a deal. <clears throat> but I had a, a, a couple of, comparisons to that um that that happened to pop up this week with uh people having their vehicle in the aftermarket 
uh, industry or their aftermarket world. Um, and so they were at other shops. Uh, one of them uh, was in New Mexico uh, from that side. And then one of them was uh, here local and it was at a, uh, uh, like I said, an independent repair shop and they go through and they give them a, give them a total and uh, on what it's going to cost to fix it. And it was, this one happened to be an explorer that needed a water pump. Uh, and then that water pump, in order to put a water pump in it, you got to remove the engine, which everybody instantly thinks, you know, to, to pull the engine out of a vehicle for a water pump is kind of unheard of. It's crazy. I think you got to go do that. But I will say that the, the odds of a water pump breaking nowadays versus years ago is completely different. Oh, I remember in my dad's shop, we were putting water pumps on every day. Well, and I think about that, like alternators, starters, you know. We don't do that uh, anymore, do yeah. we? You just no. don't replace those uh, components near enough. Well, anyways, they've they've on some of these models, they've put the water pump as part of the timing cover, or excuse me, uh, that runs off the timing chain, which is behind the timing cover. In order to get the timing cover off the vehicle, you got to pull the vehicle or the engine out of the vehicle uh, in order to do that. Yeah. And seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? But again, yeah, we were putting water pumps on. I think back in the day, every ten, fifteen thousand miles, and now we got cars going one hundred and fifty. Yeah, one hundred and fifty. Easy. And then the other side of that, if you maintain your coolant and you know the pH level stays good, like that's not a, it's really not a concern or where uh, long term. But that's I guess what happens that pH level starts eating away at the seals and then everything else, and that's where she goes. Yeah. And so where I was headed with this is seeing both of those estimates on the independent repair facilities and what they were versus what the estimate would have been through our facility. Like everybody's misconception of the dealership's higher priced or aftermarket parts are cheaper or like that's not. Uh, it's it was amazing how close they were and i've got a third example of that is uh is us putting a windshield in a vehicle versus a large very large national competitor i mean we were within we were a little or 50 bucks less than what they were yeah to to do the job and it just you know that conception of dealerships are higher now what i will say is just the price of goods i mean even tires or windshields or you you're comparatively over 10 years ago yeah those consumables have gone up considerably yeah i and i'll give you some of my opinion on that because as long as i've been doing this anyway morning rex thanks for joining us buddy anyway so let's go back to in the 80s when i was really in deep in this business and everything else too, getting started and everything else too the manufacturers had a warranty labor rate and every job had to be you had to prove to the manufacturer what you were charging the retail consumer was the same. They would not let you have a variable labor rate. They wouldn't let you charge a cheaper rate for it for an oil change or whatever. And then finally, I'm thinking, Josh, I'm trying to remember when this was. I think it was late 80s, early 90s. They finally started letting us have variable labor rates. And they didn't compare us to the warranty rate that they paid us, which blows me away anyway because the warranty rates are always about 70 percent paid to our technicians and what it really should be because yeah. of their deal uh, but they finally the manufacturers let up and let us start having that variable labor where we could be competitive with oil changes we could be competitive with maintenance services things that we couldn't be competitive back in then because yeah so back then were the dealerships higher you bet and back then too the independent repair shops could charge less per hour because their overhead wasn't as much and everything else too, but now they now now they understand what it takes to 
to run one of these stores and everything else like that. And that's why those repair bills were that estimate from that independent shop was real close. Yeah. Because we are, the dealerships are very competitive now. Uh, well, and then the other side of that, that I think maybe played a part into that is years ago, the amount of warranty work that a dealership had to do or was out there um, for a dealership, like that's what their focus was, was to take care of cars under warranty. And then customers, you know, the, the number of trips that a customer would have to a service center when their vehicle was in that warranty period is much greater than it is now. I mean, their cars are way more reliable there. And so the, the, the dealership, I mean, they do kind of have to shift their focus from that warranty repair to taking care of uh, the customer on the, on the maintenance side of things because of the vehicles are more reliable and the, the number of visits that are expected to happen in, in ownership under that warranty period is much less than what it used to be. Cutting tenths mm-hmm. of what it used to be. And I mean, and you're right. That's back then in the eighties and nineties. I mean, we did nothing but the shop. I'd say 90% of the work in the shop was warranty work. Yep. It wasn't customer pay work. It wasn't internal, but it was about 90% warranty because these cars weren't as reliable. We had more repairs and things like that on those cars. Now I'm going to go another step further. It's just like parts. Yeah. Uh, you know, I ran that, I ran, I helped run uh, Halstead auto parts there at Halstead with Don Davison. And back then the aftermarket parts, I'm telling you, were probably better. They're not today. Yeah. It's just my opinion from different things that I see in, uh, you know, I have to step into one of those parts houses every now and then and stuff. And I cringe with the things I see and stuff and everything else too. But there's nothing better than, an, than a manufactured part now because the independent world will take a brake pad, say, and they'll mess around with that brake pad and get it to fit five different cars or 10 different cars or whatever. It's not exactly 100% on all the cars where the manufacturers can't do that and won't do that because well, they want to make that part match that car. Yeah, and they're not confined by, okay, that it has to meet this specification. In there other words, go. it has to stop this vehicle in, in this distance, uh, you know, or or whatever. But when you when you put something aftermarket on it, you alter the integrity of the, you know, the way the car was built or designed, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know. And then I always, uh, when I go around and talk to the to the votex and the the schools and stuff like that just about the difference between working in a dealership environment versus working at a at an independent garage uh one of my biggest things is you know on the independent sides i think a lot of those technicians in those environments they're the ones that are are actually looking up the parts and they're the ones that are and you know not a lot of independent garages i haven't seen very many of them that have an actual inventory of parts uh, so they're calling a parts house, typically going to be, a, you know, an O'Reilly's or an AutoZone or whatever. Right. Not to knock any of those, you know, any of those establishments because there's there's a need for everything. But if you pick up the phone and you call down there, you're getting somebody that's fresh out of high school, maybe in college. And honestly, he could care less whether you get the right part for that car that actually he's fits just there or not. His time in. Yeah, he's there. He's he's worried about what he's doing tonight, uh, you know, on a date <laughs> rather than what what you, what you do versus, you know, the amount of training, uh, that, that our parts guys go through, uh, to make, to ensure that we get the right part, but then also just having the inventory right here available to go on that car. Uh, you know, we're, we, we get in a lot of different situations where it's not the, the, the biggest question is not, I mean, and everybody wants to know how much it costs when it, when something's broke, they want to know what's wrong with it. How much is it going to cost and how long is it going to take to fix and get it back. And once you answer those three questions, you know, that there, that brings so much relief to the consumer. And, 
you know, when, uh, when that part is available, there's a, I get in a lot of situations on a daily basis. And I know you do too, as well, that the, how much is it going to cost and what's wrong with it really takes a back burner to how soon can I get it back? Especially when you're dealing with a, you know, a, a, a fleet customer or a business uh, from that side. I mean, they need that vehicle to make money. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's huge too, uh, to be able to have those components uh, right here for them and be able to get them taken care of. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, a few comments coming in here too from Chris. You know, like he says, Chris Cratcher, he runs a shop over there in the south side of Wichita and does a great job over there and everything else too. But like he says, I install OE part like a starter alternator or something electrical because I have learned there's a big difference in quality. Well, and I agree with you, Chris, 100%. They're used, like I said, years ago, back in the 80s and when I was in that parts house, it was almost like the aftermarket had a better part. Uh, I remember just like shocks. We would, of course, you don't put shocks on anymore either because how good they've become and everything else too uh, from that part. But uh, the quality uh, is so much better than that in the in the uh, in the oh, manufacturer's yeah. part. And then you know another thing to go along with that is the labor to back it up. You know, if you mm-hmm. if if that if you put it on and it breaks, you know, thirty, sixty, ninety a year down the road, what's what's that look like? Well, you know, I, who's responsible for that? You know, I'm gonna think in Chris's situation, the reason he's doing that because if that part breaks, the consumer's not looking at the part that broke; they're looking at you, the shop. Yeah, you misinstalled it. Rap. You did something wrong with yeah, it. You, yeah. You're taking the bad rap. So in turn, taking and putting a quality part on, so you know your customer's taken care of. You know that part's gonna work, and you know it's got a better quality behind it, and it's gonna be just a better experience overall for you as a as a shop owner and it's also better for the consumer and you you know the way today is and stuff we got to take care of all of our customers the best way we possibly can uh from that part anyway we got a caller coming in we right? do yep yep we're gonna go to the phones let's go to the phones and talk to daryl daryl you're on live with under the hood go ahead yes i like that question about a ranger it's got a six shift 2.3 liter engine in it and lately whenever i drive up to a stop sign i shifted into low gear and i'm having a harder time shifting it into low gear uh one sometimes it goes uneasy and it's getting harder is there something an additive i can put in or is this something beginning to be major how many miles you got on this thing daryl about eighty thousand. Yeah. Um, so there is a, a manual transmission service that BG offers, and then there's a synchro shift uh, additive that goes in with that service. Um, but I would I would almost venture to guess that you have a synchronizer that is uh, starting to deteriorate. Um, and honestly, I mean, once you get to a certain point on that, there's really not going to be an additive that's going to going to make that better. It would just be a matter of having to replace that that synchronizer uh but it's only in the first and it's downshifting into first right yeah it's it's only first gear but you don't have any problem upshifting through any of the other gears no yeah no it's it's just it's just beginning i noticed lately it's beginning to get harder to shift into first grade first gear sometimes yeah sometimes it works fine and if uh, if memory serves me correct, I think we've serviced that manual transmission on that truck uh, before, haven't we? Uh, yes, I've yeah. had I've had oil put in. Yeah, I've cho- oil changed on it before. Well, yeah, I meant the actual transmission though. Uh, service the manual transmission. 
Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure we had, and I'm, I'm guessing that the, the synchronizer, uh, inside the transmission and is, uh, is just worn out. Um, and okay. it would, it would be a matter of, uh, disassembling the transmission and replacing that synchronizer, uh, to be able to fix it. And the amount of money that takes and everything else like that there, I'd wait till it got a little bit hard. I'd wait till it starts grinding going into first gear instead of just being a little bit difficult to get into first gear before I would start tearing it taking the spend the amount of money oh, it's really? going to take to take that transmission out and uh tear it apart and put that new synchronizer in there that's just my opinion someone else might give you a different opinion whatever but i would wait to spend that money until it actually got to where it was having to grind when you were going in the first gear and once it started doing that then i would think i would look at trying to do something how you think about that either. yeah i mean it really just kind of depends on what your intent is with the truck how long you're planning on keeping it you know uh things like that but I, i'm guessing it it will go quite a ways uh you know just being hard to get into to first for sure yeah um i guess the good thing is is that it's only just downshifting into first and you're not having any issues you know going through and and upshifting through any of the other gears um so if you're standing if you just start off to in neutral and start the car and then you turn around and, and put it in gear is it going to gear okay on, on that side of it it's just a downshift when it's going into first it's just it's just uh just when I go into first gear, you know, right? That's the only time I have any trouble. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my opinion, Daryl. I would wait till that thing got a little worse, so it was grinding before I would waste the money on it. But again, everybody's different. If you want to get it fixed, I'm sure uh, we can fix it. Yep. That's for sure. Cer- certainly help you out with that. Okay. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks for the call, Daryl. Uh huh. All right, 316-462-3673. Hey, anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, whatever it might be, love to hear from you. And uh, we'll try to help you figure out what's going on in your car. Or you want to talk about anything in the automobile world, let's fire it off. Let's get a debate going. How about that? So anyway, we were talking about the – I kind of think we've kind of covered all that with that, with the uh, aftermarket parts versus OEM parts and uh, pricing and all that kind of stuff. And, again – the way this whole world is, there's a lot of places you can get your car fixed, and uh, you just got to find that great relationship where you want to, where you feel you're taken care of, and everything else too from that part. So, anyway, Josh, what else? You had some other things on your yes, agenda. Nitrogen uh, was definitely one of the other things that I think we need to. We haven't talked about that for yeah, a while either. It's, it's been definitely been quite a while. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that, uh, <clears throat> I, and I I do believe we get caught up in a lot of lot of things like this. Is that when it's part of your day to day, you just kind of take it for granted almost that you know the consumers uh, know about it. The other thing that bugs me to death is uh, acronyms for things oh, yeah. uh, in this industry. You know, we have a few, don't we? Uh, oh, I mean, <laughs> what? And then what's crazy when you start talking about acronyms? You know, on the on the service side of things, I mean the the. Uh, workshop may have one acronym for it. The parts department has another acronym for it. And, and, you know, the, and the technician may have a third acronym for it and it's all the same freaking thing. And it's like, (laughs) man, uh, and I get it too, you know, with all the different modules and and things uh, in these vehicles that, uh, that are part of it. But, you know, the, and then you just talk to somebody that is not from the industry and, <laughs> he on. <laughs> well, and I use my analogy for example. Let's let's go kind of an extreme that if if all of a sudden someday that you need to have heart surgery, you're gonna be very nervous, not knowing where to go, not gonna know what responses or anything else like that. And I got a couple of buddies just went through that. Scary situation, 
Yeah. Not knowing how it's going to do, don't know all the expectations, don't know what's going to happen. Your adrenaline's, you know, your anxiety's getting to you, everything else like that. But those doctors and nurses do that every day, and that's their normal routine. It's just like a, just like eating a sandwich or whatever yep. it might be. It's just that simple and easy for them because they do it all the time, and they're in that every day. We're not. And it's the same difference getting your car fixed is, uh, you know, your, your expectations of not knowing how you're going to get treated, what's going to happen, what's, just like you said, how much is going to cost, how quick can I get it, and uh, uh, from that part. But, what's uh, wrong with it? Yep. Yeah. That's, that's what that's what uh, the consumers, you know, typically want to know. And then once you're able to answer those questions, it, you know, it, it yeah. once you answer the unknown, it becomes a little less intimidating, I guess. Is okay, we got off, we, went, yeah, we, did. we yeah, went right we did. in the ditch, Josh. <laughs> that was your fault. <laughs> I know. Anyway, the nitrogen. Yes. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of nitrogen. Uh, I think it's a great thing. Uh, years ago, it was not very competitive for us to use it. Uh, now, today, it is very competitive and stuff. Let's just say competitive, very price effective for us to use it in your tires. And uh, right now, every car tire setting out there, any pneumatic tire is leaking air. I promise you, it's leaking air at some rate or somewhere, somewhere for you can't seal that tire up 100% where it doesn't lose that air. And the biggest thing is, is like today, yesterday it was 110. Yeah. This morning at 73 degrees. I promise you, if you have compressed air in your tires, that you lost anywhere from three to five pounds from that 110 degrees down to that 73 degrees. That's one thing nitrogen doesn't do. Nitrogen doesn't really change that much with temperature and it keeps your tires at a constant pressure. pressure. And I think where a consumer no- can notice that the most is if you have the nitrogen in your tires. I mean, almost all cars now have uh, tire pressure monitoring systems in it. And a lot yeah. of them will give you individual pressures of each tire. And you can, on a hot day like yesterday, if your car was in a, in, in the garage, I mean, you could put it on that screen to where you're watching individual tire pressures and you could go drive that car and I mean, each one of those pressures would grow by four, five, six psi. Yeah. Um, but you think about the how it changes the dynamics of that tire, adding that pressure into it, and where the wear patches are going to be, or where the wear pattern is going to be on that tire. You know, an overinflated tire is going to wear the the center of the yep. tread more. And when you're talking, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, two thousand dollars for a set of tires for for a vehicle, like it makes a difference uh, yeah. long-term how long that tire is going to last. You know, and exactly. Keeping the right proper pressure is going to keep your contact patch even or smooth and better. So when you're braking, as you're accelerating, you're on wet surfaces, whatever it might be, uh, it's going to give you just a better feel. But the biggest thing, in my opinion, is is driving on nitrogen. It's just going to save that tire that much more. You're going to wear better on that tire and everything else, too. The temperature in the tire is going to be because of the wear, uh, where it's wearing on the patch will be less. Yep. Um, and yep. there's, there's just a, a huge number of benefits to having nitrogen in your tires. Yeah. And it's not that expensive. Like it used to be years ago. I mean, it's, like I said, NASCA and NASCAR and everybody's been using it for years and stuff, but now they've got these machines and, uh, that do a great job. Now, if you don't get nitrogen from us, make sure when you ask them, what percentage of nitrogen are you getting? If they can't tell you, they're not giving you the right part of, part of nitrogen because 78% of the normal air out there you're breathing today is nitrogen. And uh, we get your tires all the way to 96%. Now, I have, like I've said it before. I've played around. I can get it to 100. Keep cycling, keep cycling, keep cycling, keep cycling uh, from that part. But, uh, you know, it's just like last night we was headed to Salina to go race. And I don't make me think about it. You know, it's 100 and some degrees out and everything else like that. And I told Jake, I said, dang it, we haven't checked these tire pressures in a while in this trailer. 
hit the old button. There they are. And uh, guess what? Still run, <laughs> running pretty good. Still still up there at 115 pounds where they need to be. So uh, that's pretty cool. Now, that, the other thing, Josh, I don't know if you've had the privilege of doing this, but now these tire sensors on that trailer are actually giving us the temperature yes. of the tire yeah. right along with the pressure of the tire. That is so cool to see that. Uh, running down the road so uh, anyway good morning kyler fetters and uh jeff daniels talking about how he was driving here in the heat his pressure raised at seven eight pounds on a four-hour trip yeah exactly so, i mean you I mean, think about yeah you think about the inflation aspect of seven or eight pounds and the difference that that's going to make i mean there's you talk about fuel efficiency you talk about temperature of the tire you talk about where like there's there's so many different effects that that's going to have handling character characteristics of the tire the ride how smooth the ride is yeah well and here's the next thing everybody always gets worried about is too so all you you got nitrogen in your tires and let's say you do need to put air in your tires because they got low because they're still going to leak with nitrogen it's still going to happen you still can't stop it but it just slows the process down on how much it does leak out for you not a problem just put normal compressed air in it it will mix just fine and you just have to let us know when you come back that you had to put some compressed air in so we can go back and recycle that thing and get them back to that 96%. Yeah. Uh, and again, if you go to a shop and they tell you 93, that's still not good enough. I know that 3% doesn't seem like a lot, but when you start at 78 and you're getting 96, that last 3% is crucial what it's going to do for those tires, how long, how good it how good it stays in those tires and everything else too. You just get the full benefits of having it. And then one last thing too, we don't didn't talk much about either, but it's it's minimal, but it's still there is most tires are made of steel. There's steel components inside of there. And I, you know, as much as we have dryers on our compressed air and everything else like that, there's too humidity in our, in our compressed air. Uh, but nitrogen is taking all that humidity out of that. And so you're not going to have a chance of that rusting. Now, granted, that's going to take a long time for that condensation or uh, to do that, to move into that steel and corrode the steel or deteriorate the steel or whatever. Just the other day, I had two tires with broken belts on two different vehicles. I hadn't seen that in, in quite a while, but yeah, uh, just hmm. in the center of the treads of them. So well, could that, be. Is, that, is a, that is a thing. It does happen uh, for sure. Exactly. So, uh, hey, 316-462-3673. Hey, we'll love to hear from you. Anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, anything you want to talk about in the automobile world or you want to get a debate going, let's get one going. Love to hear from you. 316-462-3673. So anyway, uh, Josh. Uh, How about racing? Where are we at on that? Well, we're off tonight. Went up to Salina last night with a new car for the first time at Salina and worked out a few bugs and stuff on it. And uh, So you run the new car last night? Ran a new one last night. Ended up second. We just uh, a little bit short. We should have uh, had a little more a little more effort there. A little, and uh, talking to Tanner in a way, on, on our way to Hayes, and we made it about 15 miles down the road before we realized Hayes had canceled. We turned around and come home. But talking to Tanner, so we're still learning the car, the differences in the car from the new car to the old car and stuff. And uh, we'll get her figured out. We'll be uh, ready to go next week at Salina. And then uh, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be headed back up to Boone. And so excited for that, too, to see what we can have a better experience at Boone this year yeah. than last year. So is he uh, is he sold on the new car? If uh, if you gave him the option, which one is he jumping? Well, in? I don't have. I didn't ask him that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you his he's he's uh, it's car it's two different cars. They drive yeah. totally different and everything else like that. And and uh, you, you know when you go into that corner as fast as you're going, you got to have that confidence that oh, thing's yeah. gonna turn. Yeah, <laughs> so I can uh, understand that completely. So I think it is once we get it dialed in. I think this new car is going to be better than the, it's got to be better than the old car. It's just is that old car has been around a long time. She's got a lot of wins underneath her, everything else too. But uh, we'll get this new one dialed in and uh, 
and I'm sure she'll be faster than than the old car for sure. So out of the gate, the new one's done pretty decent so far. I mean, brought home quite a few. Uh, Two seconds so pretty far, clo- pretty close to wins. <laughs> yeah, you know? pretty close. Seconds of first loser. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So it is, but I mean, it's a uh, it's not far enough back that it's not motivational, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just. Uh, I think he said last night that's our ninth second place this year. So that horse also gets being the ninth yeah. place, the first loser, that many times. But uh, I can understand that. That's part of the game. You got to keep digging. You got to keep going, and you can't get frustrated. You just got to put your head down and keep working. So then, where's the next the next race? Uh, next Saturday. I mean, next Friday would be at Salina. Okay, uh, is where we'll be at, and then. Uh, I know we're thinking about headed up to lacrosse on next Saturday, but I got to figure out the logistics of that because we got to go to the Halstead Parade next Saturday. Oh, Saturday. yeah. So I got to figure all that out, too. So anyway, stay tuned for the racing side of the world. We'll keep you updated on what's happening. If you want to get over on Team 3's Jay's page and like that, you'll get all the, all the uh, updates and everything as we go through the week and, uh, and, and the weekend and stuff, too. So uh, anyway, Rex Strigero, have you seen the hydrogen muscle truck, 500 horsepower and 100% hydrogen, the future? Rex, I agree with you. Hydrogen is the future. No doubt in my mind. Uh, that's kind of where we're headed. So let's get a debate started because that's where we're headed. I mean, all these manufacturers right now, and it's not just Ford. It's every manufacturer pushing this electric. And uh, I, my opinion is we don't have the infrastructure. Well, yeah, but I, I'm not so much worried about the infrastructure. If we can put these chargers in our house and stuff. I'm more worried, in my opinion right now, where we're at is the charge time to charge well, these things yeah. back up. Uh, and then some of the manufacturers don't have the range, very much range in these things uh, to get them very far. Now, I think from what I can see out there and stuff like that, we're kind of on the leading edge a little bit of that, of some of the ranges we have and charge times we have and stuff, too. But it's still not, in my opinion. So, but again, I drove that one lightning, uh, you know, just to and from work every day and plugged it in here. Never had a problem. Yeah. And uh, we, we were talking about that a little because we did have the EV trainer here uh, this yeah. week. And I sat on, on one of those courses. and. I it I I was honestly uh, uh, unaware of what all that car was doing. So uh, with the uh, with the purchase of an EV, you get a subscription to Electrify America, um, which gives the consumer a lot of access to a lot of different things. But it integrates into the navigation of the car and so when you're typing in your trip you know it'll let you know where all the charging stations are and you know where to stop and and how long you're going to be there and the availability of that charging station and what the kilowatt an hour cost is for each one of those charging stations and and i mean there's just overwhelming amount of information through that but what i didn't understand is when you go through and map your trip uh in that ev vehicle and say okay i'm gonna leave here and go to bartlesville and stop at that uh stop at that charging station down there um it goes through and it preconditions the car so that when you get to that charging station that battery is uh able to accept more of a charge quicker in other words you know there's interactive grill shutters that it opens up and to get the battery cooled down and you know there, there's so much and it's doing that and it's mapping it out you know so many uh minutes before you get to that station like the the technology in these things and, and well, what it all it does that the consumer would never even know about right is is absolutely crazy and you know uh 
Yeah. And in my test, the one I did, I, we went to Denver from here to Denver mm-hmm. and what I, you know, it's just kind of crazy. Go to Salina and you, it'll tell you how long you got to set there to charge. Or if you want to go on to Hayes stops there and it'll tell you how much longer you got to charge there to do that, you know, to, to get to the next station. Now, all this other stuff you just brought up, I didn't, yeah. I didn't go through the test this time, uh, this time because I've been through it a couple of times already, but that it does make sense that it's knowing where you're going and all the technology is in there to help get that battery ready to go to charge and stuff. But, but again, that's where, I, that's my opinion right now is we need some shorter t- uh, charge times, but we need some longer range. Uh, from that part but i think we'll get there in that part but now as we switch over to hydrogen i don't know i'm telling you i'm kind of thinking that's kind of the kind of the ticket i, mean, the I think thing, i think thing, a lot yeah. of manufacturers are working on that uh from that part but think about hydrogen i mean wow i mean that's so the safety factor obviously becomes a play when you're talking about hydrogen and you know keeping uh keeping everybody safe i think when but as far as it being an alternative fuel and stuff like that yeah 100 percent. yeah i don't know my opinion i wish our i wish all of our manufacturers would have been pushing more towards a hybrid and got us conditioned to which way we need to move and instead of yeah. taking us from internal combustion engine boom into 100 percent electric and granted everybody's got a, a, a different hybrid system out there and everything else too but I just wish we would have focused more into the hybrid range, kind of got everybody kind of conditioned how those kind of work and everything else and, and worked us more into that instead of just shoving this electric down everyone's throat this quick and this fast. But again, you go back to the, the our government is making these manufacturers hit these cafe ratings that are, in my opinion, stupid. Uh, and the only way they can get there is these electric cars. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way they can get there. To do that, and I mean that's where you know people are out there posting how Ford's losing this billions of dollars on these electric cars right now. I'm sure they are. The amount of development and everything else to put that in there. But again, if they don't hit that cafe rating, what's that going to do to them? They're not going to be able to sell their. They're going to sell all the trucks we want to yeah, sell, the F one fifties and stuff like that. And so exactly. So there's a catch twenty two on each side of that, and uh, you know it's kind of one of those deals. You always got to kind of. Make sure you got all sides of the store before you start putting everything out there for what your opinion is. Like, well, we all got opinions. We all got got one too. I well, get and I mean the other side of that is there there is a need for these vehicles, and that's one of the things that we talked about in the in the training is that uh, you know the purchase the person that purchases that car um, the the amount of research and development that they've done before they purchased it is huge. You know, some somebody's not just going to go out and purchase a fully EV vehicle on a whim, right. I don't believe, you know, they're going to, they're going to have methodically thought out, okay, I drive this much a day, you know, the, I can charge like this at home and, and at work or whatever. And, uh, that I do believe that they've, it's, it's a well thought out purchase. And there are, there are applications where that vehicle or that fully EV vehicle, uh, works for, people in their situations you know i think of uh you know even businesses and things like that 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 they don't drive a whole lot and it's you know in town and stuff like that i mean to if if the vehicle fits your niche it's perfect yeah it's just not a niche that works for everybody Uh, and that's kind of how i look at that difference between an suv and a truck Mm mm-hmm you know, how, what, what, what's your needs, what you got and everything else too. Just like I said, when I was driving that lightning, I drove it for 2000 miles back and forth. And one time I had an issue was when I had to go to Hutch and, uh, I had 140 some miles on of range and, uh, it was cold out. And I will tell yeah. you, it freaked me out a little bit, kind of watching that thing, make sure I was going to make it back. I did make it back. There was no problem and everything else too. But, uh, you know, that's the next thing we got is everybody complains about when you're towing, how the range drops off. 
Well, wait a minute. You're towing. <laughs> wait a minute. When you're towing a gas engine, your mileage goes in half too. Yeah. So I mean, I, that's what that's some of the reasoning we we put out there and think. Well, my God, the range just fell in half. Well, what'd you expect it to do? Grow? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you're towing all that weight. It takes more energy to push it there. And if you take a tr- truck, you're towing. I mean, I mean, you get say you get twenty miles a gallon with, empty. It's going to get ten when you're towing. I mean, that's it's r- rational. Yeah. Uh, and I did that. I towed my boat with that lightning from you know from the dealership to the house, and it did. It took off about half. But what do I expect? I mean, I got to pull that boat that far. It takes energy to do that. Yeah. But I still think that's where we're uh, getting conditioned to where we need to be getting some more technology in, the, in these in these cars and uh getting some i, I don't think a charge time would be as bad if the range was up there you know like an internal combustion engine would be or whatever from that part because then you could drive to say kansas city and be there for the day and it can be plugged in somewhere charged up and you can drive all the way back home and i think that's where some of the fear is is can you drive that thing to kansas city and not have to stop sure some cars you're not going to make it there you're going to get to stop at emporia and have to sit there for an hour to charge. Get, and charge it up and everything else too, uh, from that part. Yeah. The, uh, and then, you know, we were talking about these DC fast chargers and, and what it does. And I don't know, I'm assuming, you know, long-term down the road, the manufacturer is going to come up because there are some batteries that are more susceptible to the, the ability of the DC fast charger. Um, and then there's other batteries that long-term, if you did that repeatedly over and over, it wouldn't, be as effective for the battery and it would end up degrading the battery uh as well and well, so you yeah, know I, I know they're going to have stipulations uh long term down the road on on what a consumer is able to do with that well and the analogy that uh one of the ford reps gave us that one time there in joshua in kansas city made perfect sense it's like charging a battery is like chart is blowing up a balloon if you constantly just blow the high pressure, everything into that balloon, you're just weakening the membrane of that balloon. Yeah. But if you slowly push that charge into, in, into that balloon, it doesn't stretch that membrane, doesn't push it that hard and everything else too, and uh, changes everything. So when you go to those DC fast charges, that's what they're doing. They're blowing that balloon up with a big old burst of charge and you're hurting that battery. And I don't remember what, if we, you, you hear so many different things and stuff like that too, but I also think that those batteries know and learn the technology to not take that charge as hard uh, yeah, as you can or whatever yeah. uh, from that part. Uh, and uh, and Rex, I, Rex writes there, batteries are extremely wasteful. Hydrogen is three times cleaner than EV. I understand. I just don't think the technologies to mass produce the hydrogen is there. Do I think it's going to get there? Yeah, I do. I really do think the hydrogen is going to be another form of of our combustion engines or whatever it might be from that part. And we were uh, talking about that, you know, that, the the batteries as far as okay it it may get you through because what's the long-term plan you know in five years or 10 years or whatever when you do have these hybrids running around on the road and now you're to the point where okay the batteries need to be replaced but i do believe that they've built a very durable product but again long term at some point like you're going to have to have replacement of batteries you know it's going to happen Okay. Uh, and, and then what do you do with that? Yeah. And that's where Jeff's asking too, what's the battery life? With, with the yeah. warranty is 10 years, right? Yeah. The warranty is 10 years from the, uh, manufacturer. On the, from the manufacturer on the battery. And then it will cover, uh, if deemed by the manufacturer degradation when it is uh, under 70% of its capacity uh, within that 10 years as well. Um, you know, and so there's a, there's a huge warranty behind these 
vehicles and that's not just the battery that's all all of the hybrid components on it yeah um well and i here's what i think and there's some people are doing this already i think we'll get to the point where we'll pull these batteries out and we'll replace the bad cells it's going to be like changing oil or whatever correct so some some manufacturers not just some shops are doing that already yeah we are we if in situations that's what we would do is is actually yeah. disassemble the battery and replace individual cells on the battery and then also the i mean the manufacturer has developed a recycling program to that battery you know in other words if we pulled it out they would you know take it back and dispose of it uh and recycle i'm sure there's got to be waste there you know there there has to be um and yeah you know i was talking with uh some of the advisors and stuff about it the other day but it's just like putting an engine in a vehicle at, you know, because we were talking about the expense of it, what the expense of a battery is. And, you know, as I, honestly, some of these long block engines, I mean, you can get on the EcoBoost and stuff like that, or other manufacturers, you can get up to, you know, 10 grand in a remanufactured engine for parts and labor and stuff like that. So let's go after so, that. Let's take, let's take an consumer that drives 15,000 miles a year. And in 10 years, he's got 150,000 miles on his car. Could it need? Could an engine need to be replaced? Yeah, sure could. Yeah. I, that's that's where some of the analogies that we're making is because there's so many. There is a lot of unknowns out here yet. Of like you're talking about the durability, the length, and all that kind of thing, and where we're going to go. And I th- I don't think the manufacturers know. I don't think the engineers know yet because there's not been enough time out there for these things to develop. And I think what we're doing today and what we're looking at today is going to be different in a year from now. It's going to be different in three years from now, five years and 10 years is going to be a whole totally different what we're yeah. looking at because we're going to learn so much more about it. Uh, so, so I also, I take this, we sold uh, uh, a C-Max. I think 2013 yeah. was the first year of the C-Max yeah. that was uh, an electric, uh, mm-hmm. had the, you know, battery in it and stuff. And I mean, we have, we have a couple of those units in operation yep. and I can't think of a single battery that we've had to put in it. Now, I don't know, you know, um, just as far as unit and operation, obviously it's a very low number. I'd be curious to know how many of those vehicles they sold versus how many of them have had a component that needed to be replaced, whether any hybrid component, but, uh, yeah. y- you know, there, there is data out there, I think for them. Now, I don't know how much as far as quantity well, and it, how accurate and stuff like that, but. And I would think the the technology, it's like you talked about the technology already, these of conditioning these batteries, you know, when you get into the charge station. Yeah. Back in 13, that I don't think it, that was even not there. close yeah. even, close to even being there, let alone the maps that map you where you need to go uh, from that. Uh, but again, we're going to learn so much more as we progress through these situations and what goes on with that. But I also think we jump to conclusions too quickly till we really analyze it. Just like replacing a motor versus replacing a battery. What's the difference? So a battery costs ten grand, a motor costs ten grand. Yeah. But the other thing you gotta think about there too for a minute. You got a transmission sitting there too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And an engine. Uh so there's pros and cons all over. And it's like you said, Josh, is this electric works for some people. It doesn't work for everybody. That's why we have a truck. That's why we have an SUV. That's why we got different SUVs. That's why we got different trucks. Everybody needs some different application for what needs to make them get there from that part. And do I see the future in hydrogen? Oh, I I and you know what? I could be wrong, but I still think there's a huge niche coming for nitrogen, for, that. for hydrogen. I just, yeah. I do. Uh, but again, I'm not the guys up there in, in Detroit and all these manufacturers running these, making these decisions, what they're going to do. And I don't see all their sides of what, why they're making the decisions they're making. I can only assume from what I know and what I see and what I find and, 
and everything else from that part. But uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things going on in the background on that side of the point. <laughs> we don't have a clue about. Yeah. Uh, you know what what the uh, government is mandating on them, all the laws they got to do, and all the testing they got to do, and all the stuff they've got to be mandated from NHTSA. My recalls. I mean, <laughs> holy smokes, uh, from that part. So anyway, anybody got any questions, any comments on nit- uh, hydrogen or electric cars? Love to hear from you. 316-462-3673. And, uh, you know, recalls is another thing that we can talk about. We've got uh, explorers that are stop sell because of a backup camera. Like how, I don't know, to me, that just blows my mind. You know, that, uh, so they've, they've issued that all vehicles, and I think it was produced in uh, 2020, it was either 21 or 22, uh, this is across all manufacturers that the vehicle has to have a backup camera in it. Now, I, I mean, I get the the reasoning or that it is safer to to back up and and stuff like that, uh, and to see what's behind you and not yeah. hit anybody or run anybody over. But the fact that you cannot sell a vehicle because there's a recall on the backup camera system just blows me away. Absolutely yeah. blows me away. I mean, I think at some point there's a point where you've gone too far, and I think we're I too think, far. I think that's the one that you is know. too far. Why we can't these explorers and uh, you know, and again, I use the heck out of a backup camera. I use it every day. I get it, but uh, why we have to have that mandated and can't sell those explorers because of a backup camera recall? You're right. Blows me away. Blows me away. So, well, and I mean, there's other recalls out there that I think are very similar in in reasoning or you know why uh things like that that just it that just it's like they don't make sense you know it's like somebody human is not making that decision uh or somebody with the thought process of it and i I mean i guess i get it so oh i don't know i don't get josh (laughs) you got that's the rules and you got to play by them i guess that's what that's, and that's what, what I'm saying. Was. We we know what we see on our end of the deal. We don't like the fact that we yeah. can't sell these explorers with that with that stop sell recall on those things. Uh, but we don't see what's going on the other side. The government or the NHTSA might be pushing something demand down so hard to those guys on that situation uh, from that part. Now, I will tell you the other day, I had to go in on, on some of the Explorer stock orders and take off the 360 view cameras. I thought it was just strictly maybe it was supply, supply and demand. demand. Again, we're still fighting yeah. a stupid supply chain. We're fighting with parts and everything else, too. Uh, but who knows that might be part of the recall what what's happened there on that part you know what i mean and it's so. uh i know they're looking at it from the perspective of uh as a safety thing you know and if it saves one life so then it was well worth it you know but i i don't know they're just uh at at some point the the human element has to come back into this i think and look at look at the the perspective from the whole thing yeah agree with you 100% 100% on that too so anyway we're running out of time and uh, everything else from that part too. Uh, hey, Jeff, Daniel, you bet. Thanks for letting us take care of you, getting your expedition all taken care of very much too. So, uh, Tim, transit vehicles in LA run on hydrogen have been for years. They have stations for dispensing. Huh, didn't know that either. How about a driverless Uber? Would you, uh, would you absolutely get Absolutely not. No? Wouldn't no. do it. Huh? Absolutely not. I got to have control, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Driverless Uber. Yeah. I'm out. No. You? I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I wouldn't have any interest in it. You got a five point harness and a helmet for me to save me in case that thing crashes or runs into somebody. I wonder, is anybody out there ever rode in one of those? They're running around out there. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. 
I, I don't, I mean, I'd, I'm not going to say I wouldn't get in one, but it certainly wouldn't be my favorite thing to do. I don't know. Can't tell how nervous I'd be in there. <laughs> I hate riding in a car, let alone with somebody not being in there. Tell yeah. Me where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Would, would agree with that completely. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, so, uh, we'll have to address some more night. I got to have to get more moved up on, uh, Get a little more knowledge going on hydrogen too. I don't know much about them or whatever either, but uh, it sounds to me like I still think that's the way of the world. I think that's where we're going to head. I think that's where we'll be. Uh, but who knows? I could be wrong. We could be doing something different, but I, I we will be doing something different down the road. I'm going to promise you that. So uh, anyway, Brian saw a bunch in San Francisco on my last trip. Yeah, I bet you Brian Choi saw some Uberless drivers. Oh yeah, people putting traffic cones on the hood of them to disable them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's why I don't need to be in a driverless Uber. No. No. It'd probably strand me somewhere being <laughs> trouble. <laughs> so uh those uh that was other Uber drivers putting traffic cones <laughs> so on they, they keep their job, <laughs> so, right? Yeah, so they keep their job is what that was. Yeah, exactly. So uh hey anyway, everybody, i uh Josh, we've had enough debate here. I wish yeah. we could get some more debate going on, but uh it is what it is too. And uh we need to thank a couple of great people that help us keep this show going each and every week, which is BG products. And, uh, you know, I've been using those products since 1987. Love it. They're right here in Wichita. Love all the great things they do for us. Uh, they're not a fan of the electric cars. I'll promise you that, Josh. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? But uh, who knows? Uh, so anyway, thanks, BG, for everything you do. Thanks for the great partnership we have. And we love giving you the vehicles to go do your testing and keep things up to date for us and everything else, too. Uh, Big Corner Karate for all your advertising needs, anything you need to help advertise your business from web page design, vehicle wraps, window wraps, race car wraps, window tent, anything that will help your business go, as those guys say down there, just Google us. Uh, go to rent. Hey, Stan's got a great fleet of vehicles over there. Uh, summertime, it's kind of winding down, Josh. It's August. School's about ready to start, everything else like that. I'm ready to get in the calls to rent the vans uh, for schools and everything else, too. So, uh uh, if you need something to drive, you don't want to put the miles in your car, need something bigger or whatever, uh, give Stan a call right inside here at GoToRent. And, uh, hey, everybody, have a great Saturday. We'll talk to you next Saturday. Oh, hey, we'll be next Saturday. We'll be in Halstead. Buddy. Oh, there we go. Old Settlers. The big time of the biggest little city in Kansas. There we go. Here we come. We'll be down at Old Settlers, and uh, we'll be in the parade and stuff, too. Halstead Car Show, too. Don't forget about that. we got a great car show there at the Scout Cabin again, and there's some great trophies. They brought them by yesterday for me to see them. They're pretty cool. So uh, got a hot rod you want to put in the car show at Halstead? You better go over there and get her done. Everybody have a great Saturday. We'll talk to you next Saturday. <laughs>